tell what I felt I was unrecognizable to myself Saw my reflection in the window and didn't know my own face What's up, brother? What's going on, buddy? How are you? Good, man. How are you? How's everything? And things are good? Yeah. Just living life. You know how it goes. You're not in St. Kitts, right? You're back in. You're back home, right? No, nah, man. I went home for uh, maybe a month, and then I uh, came back and spent all summer here in St. Kitts, bro. Damn, bro. That's yeah, funny. it was. What's that? That's good, though. At least you got to go home, you know. Yeah, it was something. At least it was nice to see the family for a bit, but uh, kind of got sick of it there. It was a little bit boring, so I was like, "Oh man, I got to get back." Fair enough. So are you are you here full time right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm just living here. Wait, are you here right now or are you home? Oh, bro, I, I'm here full time, bro. I work, bro. So I'm just Attaboy. working and studying and everyone on. Yeah, I got you. Sweet. All right, bro. You ready to rock? Yeah, of course. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today on the show we have a man who really needs no uh, one of Brock's finest broadcasters, Mr. Play by Play himself, Thomas Wood on the show. <laughs> Welcome, buddy. Oh, thanks, man. It's good to be here. So, um, for many of you that may uh, not know who T. Wilkes is, um, he's Mr. Play by Play for women's hockey, and I believe men's. Oh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I do both men's and women's hockey. I do them both, yeah. So he, he's basically Jim Houston of Brock University. Uh, yeah, that's me. And a ball player as well. Um, if you go to Brock, you've probably done a couple interviews with him in the hallways, some hallway holdups. Um, yes, sir. When he's not there, he's at the bar pounding some beers with the boys. And uh, <laughs> he's uh, giving uh, triple doubles in pickup basketball. Yeah, um, that's me. Uh have you on um, let's kind of jump today we kind of said we'd start off with the nba um nba finals game one goes tomorrow miami uh la uh, i kind of your perspective your thoughts are on uh, the series and how it and how the finals kind of came to be uh well it's an interesting one that's for sure um i don't think anyone's surprised to see that the la lakers are in the finals um but uh, we, I think we were all a little bit surprised to see how far Denver got. You know, that was a pretty crazy run that they went on, being down 3-1, to one, two series in a row, and then coming back in the way that they did. Um, especially nice to see Jamal Murray, a Canadian, going out there and cooking some people. So that was uh, good to watch, really interesting. Um, I think it was a little disappointing for some people, though, not to see the Clippers-Lakers. Um, Western Conference Finals matchup. I think that would have been really entertaining. But with the way that it went, I think that the Lakers were a much more rested and more talented team, to put it quite frankly, uh, against the very um, not Denver Nuggets team. Um, Then the other side, obviously, is the Miami Heat. Um, That was a really good series against... Boston, who obviously took out our Toronto Raptors. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think it's going to be a really interesting main styles coming up against each other. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. No, no, most definitely. Um, I kind of have to ask you a, a question, right? Because the way I like the way you think about basketball, you know, a guy like Jimmy Butler, right? You know, was in, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia and in uh, Minnesota. Uh, you know, he's kind of unfolding now, right? 
he's kind of kind of yeah. galvanized that roster together. He's that per se veteran piece. Him and Basel, mm-hmm. I think those two veteran pieces that they were missing. Um, yeah. Jimmy Butler doesn't go does get a ring. You know, he's kind of silences critics, or he kind of silenced it in a sense where he's already taken a team that was out of the last year into the finals in his first year there. Oh, well, that's the thing. I don't think that Jimmy Butler himself has done it. He's obviously been a very big part of what they've done. You know, he's without a doubt their most talented player. Um, I think if you've watched any Miami Heat game, you know that he hustles every single minute that he's on the court. Um, he not only has put up 20 points a game um, in the playoffs, but he's also the, arguably the best on-ball defender in the game. Him and Kawhi Leonard, I put it with the best along with P.J. Tucker. Um, so his influence is on both sides of the court, especially what you're looking for in a superstar. Um, but that's the thing about Miami, right? It's not just Jimmy Butler. Like, he doesn't even average the most points on the team in the playoffs. Like, Goran Dragic is scoring more than him. Um, that's why I think that they're so good. Yeah, it's great that they have Jimmy Butler. Um, I think we really saw him when he first started playing in Chicago. And then, like you said, in Minnesota and Philadelphia. Um, and, yeah, he's coming to his own. But it's not like you can say, oh, you know, it's all because of Jimmy Butler. Yeah, he's a great piece added on to uh, uh, Miami, but, like, their entire team, like, that's kind of what they're built on. You know, it's like, like that prime San Antonio sort of mentality. Every player is just as important as the next. No, I, I, I completely agree with you. Know, you mm-hmm. about Gordon Dragic and being the, him being their leading scorer. Right? You're facing an L.A. team that has multiple facets off the bench, right? You know, look at... Obviously, the two big name pieces in LeBron and AD, um, and then you also look at the bench and you look at a guy like who I think will probably play the first couple minutes, or who most likely will start will be Alex Caruso. I think he's a important piece. I think Rondo's going to be key for them in their ball movement, and I think a guy like Jr. might get some minutes heading into the series. Just if at at some point, you know, my uh, the LA does need a scoring run. I think I, you could put in a guy like Jr. just to kind of supplement the offensive pieces that they have. Um, in terms of uh, flipping the switch now to LA and uh, LeBron, um, is it important that AD and LeBron get their ring first year, or do you think that if they do fill out this year, they still have you know one more year before they even start getting uh, criticized? Sort of how like LeBron had in Miami, where his first year he failed in a ring. That's so weird. It's all it's been. Yeah. You know, now we look at LA's roster. Right? Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is that LA kind of gets the ring this first year? Well, it depends on what you mean by how important it is that they get the ring, right? Like, LA's like. Everyone kind of wants them to be successful. That's kind of who they are. You know, everyone wants to see that yellow and gold. I mean, that, that gold and purple, sorry, get the ring. Um, I personally don't want to see them win, <laughs> if I'm being honest with you. Um, 100%. I'm with you 100%. Um, but for their team, for the year that L.A. has personally um, experienced, I think it would be a great story. Um, but... I, I do think it is important for them as a team. 
um, to take it this year if they want to continue to build a dynasty. Because honestly, if they don't win this year, that is such a flop. And I don't know if there is any coming back from that. Because the way I attribute it to is when Ron's first year in Miami. Yeah. Also read by Dirk John Stevenson, you know, the, uh, the custodian himself, Brian Cardinal. Um, you, you look at that uh, kind of first year, and, you know, kind of pe- people kind of doubted what Pat Riley and Eric Spolster did. Then in the next two years, they went and they came back and they went to the um, So, as we're talking about rings, right? So everybody's kind of pushing it up to, you know, the LeBron and Jordan conversation, right? If one does get this ring, Right, and he goes really. Do you think? Do you think you can make an argument that he's better than Jordan? Because I can't. That Jordan will always be the greatest basketball player of all time. A hundred percent. There, if if you make the argument, James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Then I, I, I honestly do not know, Ron, in your childhood, for you to believe something like that. Um, he. Mike, okay, here's the thing. It, it's, it's different because you can and you can look at the impact someone has had on basketball as a person, okay? And sure, LeBron James might be right there, and, but he doesn't play than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan revolutionized the way that the game is played right now. Michael Jordan plays at the same level. I mean, LeBron James plays at the level, if not a little bit less, that Michael Jordan played at in an era where – the basketball was exponentially worse. Okay. So imagine Michael Jordan right now with all the training, the video and everything that he has, his athleticism, imagine him playing at this point in time, he would destroy everyone. It would be not even, it wouldn't even be close. Like ridiculous. And just thinking about that, Michael Jordan is a superstar in that era he he could have played just as good as LeBron James does right now with so much more uh, competitiveness. Let's put it like that. Um, the the way that he's able to do that in an era where there is ridiculous to me, and that puts it out there. That's why I think he's just uh, still the best player of all time. And not only that, it's the, the significant impact that he had on basketball as a whole. You know, like the Jordan brand. Um, Air Jordan. When you think of basketball, you think of Michael Jordan. That's just who it is. You I'm know, 100%, 100% with you, right? When I when I look at when I look at LeBron, I see, I see great. Like, don't get me wrong. I think LeBron's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. <laughs> yes. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, top five players of all time. Yeah. I think conversation. I think we can both. Yeah. There is a conversation, yes. Um, like, but again, like you and me, like you, you know this. You run this gas. Like, say whatever we want, but at the end of the day, it's just our opinion. Like, what we say doesn't actually like there. Wrong for what we say. Like, we can say Michael Jordan's the the best player of all time. We can say LeBron's the best player of all time, but there is no way to measure it in reality. It's just, in our opinion, a- no, it, it it's a completely objective thing. Um. But to me, again, another reason that I think Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time because he was able to do ego on such a high pedestal the way that LeBron James does. 
Like LeBron James is everything that he does for the popularity and for the fame. And I, I, I like, I guess I know that's a personal shot at him. And LeBron, I think that Michael Jordan has done what he did while shutting up and in the game the right way for so long. Or Michael, you know, he has to be, I mean, LeBron James, like he has to do what he does, but he won't shut up. That's my problem with him. Like he constantly gives his, he has no idea what he's talking about. Like this guy needs to like stop and just play. Like if he had made his ego not be the most important thing, then I would say maybe he's just as good as Michael Jordan, but he's, but he hasn't like he is. It's his own personality that I think has ruined it for me. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, and, I, and, I, and I see where you're trying to get at it. And I, and, I, and I think that LeBron at some time mm-hmm. made him look bad. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what you're saying. Sometimes, you know, LeBron's ego gets in the way. Which is which, you know, it would happen to any of us, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's for us in this position, you know, it's a 20-year-old university student to say, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, like, I, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. You know what I mean? So I, I think that, again, it's opinion-based. It's, it's what you would think and what you would perceive to be great. But now another player who, in my opinion, is needs to get a ring is Anthony Davis because mm-hmm. a lot of career was wasted in New Orleans. Yeah. They didn't really put a team with him. Okay, they gave him the Marcus Cousins for a year and a half before he left. They, 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 they shut him out. They, they, they shut him down a couple times during the season. You know, they made one playoff run. Yeah. Just yeah. They, so I think it's a great <laughs> Um. Yeah. I, well, look at Anthony Davis. This guy's a beast, right? Like he's scoring twenty eight point eight points a game. You know, get him nine rebounds. He's almost averaging a double double with almost thirty points in just the playoffs, right? While points a game. Um, and not only that, like you said, like he did waste a lot. New Orleans, like that is reasons I do feel bad for him because he was such a talented player playing in such a, a terrible market with a terrible fan base and well, not fair, uh, terrible management. They went through like five different coaches in his seven, eight years there. Um, but at the same time, I, there are still issues that I have with Anthony Davis. Like when you said they shut him down on multiple occasions in his last year, some of those were because he was like, I just don't want to play. Right, and that's something I would never respect from saying I don't want to play. Traded, I really didn't like. Um, but I, I do think he deserves a ring. And when some people say Anthony Davis is the most talented big man of all time, um, I don't personally agree. But there's definitely a, a talk, uh, definitely a conversation that can be had there when it comes to just set for a seven footer like him he's definitely one of the most if not the most skilled big man of all time so yeah i would say he deserves the reign i i think it's a tradition that lakers have great big men with the title yeah you know, it's like a career you know shock how gasol now anthony davis is in that mm-hmm. conversation oh 100 you could easily argue that anthony davis is, is one of the i don't want to say greatest but one of the 
would have been better big play thinking. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like different kinds, right? Like again, like basketball is a game that's evolved like nothing. Else. The game that more than sport ever. Um, it just look at plays like it's not like you're gonna see Shaq point up from three. Like he's completely different in that way. Shaq uh, was well, a monster. This guy weighed like back you down and then smush you under. Anthony Davis won't do that to you. Skilled player. Um, Kareem obviously had the sky hook. He's one of the most athletic players of all time. Wilt, same thing. You know, this guy could touch the top of the backboard, but you would never point out and shooting or even <laughs> they would never even think to take a pull-up mid-range jumper. Um, so that's why I would say yes to what you're saying. Anthony Davis all around is a better than all of those guys. Not as not a great as great of a player, but all around he's more of a um, complete player than those guys. Yeah. Um, as we kind of get into one of the greats, if Rondo collects his second ring, I personally think he's in the Hall of Fame conversation. I don't know how you feel about that, but I personally think that Rondo is one of the better point cards the league has ever seen. Man, I don't know about that one, Matias. Oh man, that's a that's a tough one. The thing is, is that he had those great years in Boston. He did. Like he was such a good player. In like I personally the greatest, but I think he's a good point guard. Oh, the league is high. Um, but the thing for me is, I think great. See, consistency. You need to be great consistently for a long time. Rajam Rondo was a great player, mid-2000s, kept on going to late 2010s, and now he is where he is. But from the years, I don't know exactly what the years were. I could pull up his stats, but uh, I think it was around, let's say, like 2014 to 2018. This guy was a nobody. Like, he was not doing I completely agree with you. Yeah. I think he bounced out of Sacramento, Dallas, you know, New Orleans. He didn't really do much. No, he did nothing. He he was uh, like uh, all words put his hide. He was a bum for like four or five years. Um, I think that would hold me back from saying, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Is those five years that may have ruined that for him? So you're you're basically saying is that if those five years were maybe spent in Boston, right? Yeah. Under Doc and all those guys, he could have maybe. Made in your mindset, uh, a guy like a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but there, there, again, there's the issue. the The whole thing with Boston was he, you had a couple of you had a couple of big personalities with that big Boston team. You know, Kevin Garnett, probably the most intense player of all time. He was not an easy person to get along with. I need to hear some crazy quote that he makes every other week. Um, and then Rajon Rondo has had his own thing with being a toxic person in the locker room, right? Um, so I think that may have contributed to why he wasn't in Boston and why he bounced around for a little while. But I am very glad to see that he sort of found a little niche there playing with um, AD and LeBron. So yeah, I, would, I would say so. Uh, fair mm-hmm. um, so 7-game series, as we get into prediction time, mm-hmm. who's your prediction? Series seven games or why? Uh, well, that's a hard one. It, it's 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 really depends. 
well, I guess every but who shows up to play, who wants it more. Um, who do I think is more equipped to win? I think that the Heat are a better all team than the LA Lakers are. But I also think that LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if they they, they play play. Um, so, yeah, it, it can go either of two ways. But I think that Miami will pull it off just because I don't think that um, LA is a handle how deep they are. Because um, LeBron and AD can only do so much, right? And apart from them, they've got almost nothing. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think. I think it's a more or less two man team with a bunch of role. If that makes. Sense. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that in a bad way. No, no. Saying in the most honest way possible. Well, yeah. Um, not only are they role players, but I think a lot of them haven't really lived up to what they would have liked to see. Like they're still in a, in a place in the season. They're in the finals. Obviously, you can't really complain, but. Kyle Kuzma, I don't think he's been as good as be this year. They were kind of hoping for him to be that big three with LeBron and Anthony Davis. This guy only shot – I think he only shot like 35% from the field this year. Not good. Um, where is it? Uh, yeah, Kyle Kuzma. Oh, he, he shot 43% from the field, and he shot a measly 1%. Um, he, he's averaging what? 10 points a game this postseason. Um, but yeah, like a green player um, that I think is, he's got to step up. Um, but I, I don't think he'll ever be back to the point that he was with San Antonio. I, like, I, I know that you watch basketball. You saw him in the, in the last season with Toronto, right? Uh, yeah, he, he, he was good. But in the playoffs, he, he was, he didn't live up no. in what? We saw Danny Green won, and that's what I yeah. And in all honesty, you know, obviously, like there was a lot of pressure on him because mm-hmm. of how young the Raptors. Were. And this is kind of something I've always said: is that Raptors always put themselves in a situation where they'll run all their starters heavy minutes, and then only play their their bench two or three during the season. Yeah. So when my issue is that is that you never. Know what you have on the Facts. bench, right? Yeah. You never know what you have in mm-hmm. the player. If if the Raptors weren't, if the Raptors didn't have, you know, uh, times where Kawhi was on load management, I don't think we would have put Freddie Van Fleet in that whole playoff series. No. And some people might disagree and say, "Well, you know, all the stuff have to get the runs in for them to get chemistry." Yeah. That's all good, but if a starter goes down. You don't have a guy that you could be like, okay, fine. He can do what Kawhi does, but not at that level, yeah. but still roll. So Yeah, and I think I think you can say that's the exact same issue that the Lakers are gonna have right now. If A D or LeBron go down, yeah, I don't know what what the heck they're gonna do, if I'm honest with you. Who's who's gonna step up? Caldwell Pope? Yeah, right. Kuzma, it's got a ball over I've ever seen. Dwight Howard, you, you can't de- depend on him. Who shoots thirty percent from the field? You know, like I, I don't know who's going to step up. Deion Waiters has only played five games in the playoffs. Smith, he's drinking Hennessy on the bench. Like I, I don't know what they're going to do if one of them is not playing up to like 
the the way that they should, you know. And that's the issue with these teams with big rosters that don't know how to use their bench. You look at a team like Golden State, right? they made their, their multiple runs. You say that, you know, Kevin Durant and whatever. But they also ran their bench. Oh, yeah, 100%. Don Livingston was damn near averaging 15 minutes as a bench. Oh, yeah, 100%. Player. Nick Young was damn near averaging yeah. 10 points. Yeah. And it bumped yeah. that, but. Your bench is more or less more important in the oh, playoffs 100%. than it is. And again, that's why I'm saying I think Miami will take this one. Like, I could be – L.A. could smoke them because LeBron and A.D. just completely take over. But I think, again, this is just opinion, that when the subs come in, it's going to be a slaughter because L.A. has nobody that can live up to a Duncan Robinson, Kelly, uh, Kelly Olynyk. Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was lights out against Boston. Who's going to guard Tyler Hero off of the bench? Like, right? Like, this guy's averaging 16 points a game off the bench in the playoffs. Who is LA going to have that's doing that, right? The top of that, Igudala won an MVP guarding LeBron. 100%. Again, that's another player that's going to come off the bench, and he's a solid player that you can depend on. LA doesn't have people like that. And I'm, and I'm with you on that. And I think that's where a lot of teams have to start, like, learning that. Like, your bench is a big part of yeah. the game. And I think Danny has done a good job of bringing in young kids, right? 22, 23, 23. I think the oldest players on that team are Goran Dragic, Jimmy, Giannis. I think that's I think <coughs> the oldest yeah. players. Yeah. I think, like... Um, I obviously don't want to take any shots at people, but I mean, you know, it's not like they've, uh, you know, all their players are almost home homegrown. Goran Dragic, you know, there's a he was good on Phoenix back in the what 2011. They got him back in like 2014, yeah. 15. They've had him for a while. Bam out of bio, they drafted yeah. Tyler Hero. They drafted Jay Crowder. They got they signed him. Duncan Robinson. They drafted Kelly Olynyk. They got him as a free agent. Andre Iguodala. They picked up. Uh, as a free agent that no one wanted. Jimmy Butler is really the only player that they traded for or saw name. Um, so all their players are homegrown, and that's how they've got such a good chemistry and a team that grows and plays together. Look at L.A. They have bought their success, right? Like, they, that's what they did. They bought players that will get them wins, right? So the complaint at this top of the podcast was it's two completely different playing styles and teams. You know, L.A. has an exponential amount of resources at their grasp, right? And they went out and got AD and LeBron, you know? They went out and got Danny Green, Dwight Howard, Rajon Rondo. Like, these guys are all in, like, their first or second year with the Clippers, whereas the Heat, all their rookies, or they were drafted by them, except for Jimmy Butler. No, and I completely agree. But the thing is, you got to remember that all the, all LA teams have always been like Yeah, this, that's right? true. In a, right, like I hate to be that guy to say, well, you know, but it's true. You look at all the rosters throughout the years, at some point they have picked up players that are washed up all the yeah. you, know, you look at Alonzo Morgan, mm-hmm. um, Robert Horry was on an absolute tear with everything. Else. Yeah, you're thinking about Shaq towards the end of his career. Yeah, Shaq as well. So, 
to me, it's an LA thing to yeah. do that. And for the whole homegrown thing, but what LA does is that they don't have pieces to pick up to kind of complete the puzzle. Yeah. So that's where I kind of I, uh, the the LA the LA idea. Yeah. It, again, it's an interesting one. Um, I just wish there were fans that could be there to watch it. Honestly. Like I feel like this is a finals matchup that isn't going to be given justice to because of the just playing in a bubble. So I wish there was that fan atmosphere to see this one. No, and I'm and I'm 100 with you. And it's tough that the first time LA is back in the finals, and and it's the first time that there will be no. Fans. Oh, that's a sad one. Uh, I it's tough. Um, kind of moving forward now. Uh, so seven game series. Um, I personally think I'm still on the fence with this one, but I think I think LA in seven. Okay. Uh, I I I just don't I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's difficult for me to picture a year where you know, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, that LeBron doesn't win a ring. Mm-hmm. Kobe. I just hard to picture yeah. that in my head. Yeah, and I like have you said before, you know, for all we know, Miami could go in there and just. Wipe the floor with them, but in my personal opinion, I think this is the year. Of the yeah, I, I see that. Um, kind of moving forward now. Yeah. The topic go um, about your broad, about you doing broadcasting. Um, I've always wanted to ask you this, right? Um, what brought you into that? You know, um, as we all with COVID and everything like that, and you know, a lot of first years are getting a chance. It's brought to you. Um, kind of take me through your mentality of what kind of sets you apart, um, becoming wanting to do broadcasting. Um, so basically, in uh, high school, um, well, you know how my life, you know, most sports management guys, you know, we all love sports. That's what we've grown up doing. Um, it's it's what our love and passion is. And then obviously, I always grew up wanting to be a pro athlete. And that was obviously not going to happen. <laughs> there was a certain point in my life where I was like, well, this isn't going to happen. I suck. Right? Um, I, I yeah. hit that point, too. I hit that um, point. Anyway, so I was like, yeah, so what, like, what am I going to do? Like, obviously, like, my life, I wanted to be in sports. And um, I, I thought about things like physiotherapy, um, management in sports, like what I'm studying. Um, um, but growing up, like, I used to, like, I have three brothers. And we used to create our own fantasy hockey leagues and we would play them outside playing ball hockey and we would commentate them as we played, right? Did when I was really little. Um, and then my first job was at a McDonald's back at home. I used to work the drive through and people would say, like, they would come up when they'd come through, they'd be like, yo, like, is that your actual voice? And I'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's my voice. They're like, yo, dude, you gotta do radio. Like, you gotta do this. You have, like, an awesome voice. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so one day I was like, you know what? Like, I, I just want to try this. So I went to uh, my high school. I went to a private school. We had a hockey academy there. And I went up to the coach. I was like, hey, like, would it be okay if I just, like, commentated one of the games? I'll, I'll do, like, a quick interview with you, the other coach. And, st- um, and then I recruited a guy that did, uh, like, uh, after school hour. He would, like, do with fine arts is what we called them. And he actually had been a commentator in the WHL. So he was able to mentor me and he did my color for me while I was in high school. So I started commentating all my high school's games. And then when I came to Brock, I was like, so what am I going to do? Like, 
where am I going to commentate? And it just so happened that Brock TV had a job offering open. They were like, yeah, we need a new commentator. And so I, uh, we did a Skype interview. Um, and, uh, they hired me on the spot. I, I did like a bit, like they gave me a little clip to commentate and I did it and they were like, we'll hire you on the spot. Um, so kind of how like I got into it and, and uh, actually pretty crazy. Like my coaches in hockey was Dwayne Rolison. He used to be a uh, goalie in the Edmonton Oilers, played with Tampa Bay. 2011 took them to the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost in game seven to Boston. Um, and he's done commentary with the Edmonton Oilers, so I was able to help. He was able to help me as well. Um, and through him, he's um, the guy who does NBC hockey. You know, he's, his voice is in all the NHL games. So I've been able to communicate with him back and forth. Um, like, what can I do better and stuff? So it's been, a, it's been a, like kind of crazy sort of thing to get into, but it, it's been really fun. No, that's great yeah. to hear, man. And um, kind of talking about, you know, uh, this is kind of real, odd to bring up, but in December, kind of talked about, for all you don't know, me and uh, Thomas do have something to um, uh Thomas did bring up a point where he said that he received criticism from uh, opposing, uh, opposing uh, teams and opposing uh, boosters from other schools and stuff. I just kind of want to get your mentality Right, that you're a twenty year old mm-hmm. kid, right? You're yeah, twenty, yeah. right? Or twenty one, and that there's females who are close to 40, 45, 50 giving you slack on Twitter. <laughs> how, how do you how do you deal with knowing that you at twenty, by you commentating an OUA hockey game, are making somebody else rattled who's dead to double <laughs> your age? I mean, that was kind of funny. Like I was in the middle of a game, and at the second intermission. My color commentator, Remy Zanotto, shout out Rock TV. He's a great guy. He like tasked me and he always like monitors Twitter. Like we have our Twitter games with the graphics. Rock TV does such a good job of it. And uh, the guy, he goes, Yo, look at this tweet. Someone just tweeted at Rock TV. And I read it. I was like, Oh my God, this guy is cheesed at me. Like it, it was like, Commentators are terrible. Like, completely one-sided it's terrible to listen to i hope the game doesn't like game three doesn't go back to brock so i don't have to listen to brock tv broadcast i honestly wasn't upset about it i was just like wow this guy's actually mad like it was more like i only i i i I don't really take offense to much um so it was like wow like someone was like that cheesed about it but yeah it was it was more funny than anything i think that, that's that that baffles me. Is is there a moment where you, know, you kind of like you kind of looked at it and you just kind of thought to yourself like this would be entertaining? Like when Ed criticizes you, like I don't know, like I'm a weird person. Like when I get criticism from other people, like it kind of like gets me going. You know what I mean? Like it kind of yeah. Me. I mean, like I could do that, but you know, at the same time, I got to be professional and. I'm obviously trying to build my no, I... uh, my resume to be a professional broadcaster, right? So, like, obviously, like, if it was, like, personal, like, I'd obviously, like, take shots back at the guy and stuff. But, like, I got to, like, I kind of had to hold back, you know? Yeah. No, I completely agree. What kind of uh, uh, sports, you know, right? We look at hockey and we look at basketball, right? Um, 
which one would you like to commentate if you were given a choice, right, professionally? Which sport out of hockey and basketball, right? Because, oh, man. You know, those are the, the two ones that are – which out of the um, well, it's an interesting one. I think that I'm best at commentating hockey because I obviously watched so much of it growing up. Like I watched every Canucks game. Um, but interestingly, I don't think that basketball would even be my number two option. I think baseball would be my number two option. I've watched more baseball and commentated uh, basketball. Um, I think basketball is always going to be the game that I analyze and watch and play but not one that I – like, if someone – I think I'd be a better color commentator than an actual commentator for basketball, if anything. No, I, I, that's, yeah. that's fair. Um, any advice that you would give, you know, to people who are maybe looking into getting into commentating and stuff like that? You know, obviously, you've had an absolutely yeah. unreal route. You know, Doc Everett, you know, your coach played for the mm-hmm. Oilers and whatnot. You've had – you've kind of had the tip of the, tip of the iceberg. Advice to young people who are trying to get into it. Um, well, first of all, I'd say that the first few go rounds it are going to be horrible. Okay, like it's it's bad. Like the first time I commentated, I remember I went back and so I was like, "Wow, that's bad." Um, it, it it's experience thing. Um, and it is something that I spent a lot of time going and, um, well, like the guy that I said, like he commented in the WHL, he'd give me a whole bunch of like exercises to do. Like I would have one word, like instead of dumps it in, I would have to write like 20 different things to say instead of dumps it in, you know, you got to keep, keep people on their toes. You know, you got to be interesting. You can't say the same thing over and over and over and over or it gets boring. Right. Um, and there's also a difference between commentating on radio and commentating on TV. There's a big difference on radio. That's something where you have to like, it's a qualitative thing. You have to paint a picture of what's going on. And then on TV, you know, you're there, you know, people can see what's happening. So you give your, uh, you do a little bit of that qualitative and you also, um, let people watch it as well. Um, but I think a good exercise for young people going into it is go back to what you've commentated, draw a picture of a rink and then trace and listen to what you're saying and see if you can figure out exactly on by just what you're voicing and saying. Right. Um, they're really good. Yeah. Just so you can, another person would be here. What's that? So, so like the, the, the mm-hmm. rink exercise you're talking about is kind of just to take the picture of what the person the exactly here to see if it, so that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great one. Um, is there anything else like on top of just like, on top of besides, you know, painting a picture, like a network, network, like that. Do you think that's another part? Like that attributes to being able to paint a picture of? No, like networking in general. Like on top of being, um, yeah, I think networking is definitely something that helps you out with anything that you do in your life, right? Um, but I think probably the most important thing is being a personality. You have to be yourself. And, you know, I've said something on air and my director, Jamie Tan, Brock, has just turned away from the monitor and looked at me like, dude, what are you saying? You know, like times where I said stuff, it's like, yo, what is this guy on? Like, a lot of the time, like, 
you just got to be yourself and just say what comes to your mind. Obviously, like, filter it. But um, at the same time, you have to be natural. People enjoy that, right? Like, people at the end of the day want to be entertained. So there is an entertainment factor as well. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. You know, a guy not but know me, right, developed the saying all day breakfast, right? That Oh, 100%. Right? So, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had a chance oh, yeah, to know yeah. Napanomi, but whenever, whenever I listen to him commentate, whenever I watch him commentate, he he's more in the game than more more than the kids. Oh, one hundred percent. Same here. <laughs> I am way too excited, man. I like like I can't commentate sitting down. I have to be standing up. Like I've got my roster sheet in one hand and the stats in the other, and I'm flailing my arms and screaming and yelling. Like I have to turn down so much. Because when this, even the smallest thing happens, like I'm yelling so much. But you, that is another thing you have to learn as a broadcaster. There have to be levels, right? You know, like your 10 level should be game seven, overtime winner, right? And in the regular season, like nothing in the first period can't be that 10 level or it's, uh, it's an inconvenience. You have to be able to find that niche of getting too excited too much, but being people are like, oh, I want to listen, right? So I translate this now into when you're doing mm-hmm. hallway holdups. So how how does that transition, right? Because now you're going from <laughs> sports to you know every kind of conversation. You know, do you like bacon or mm-hmm. better blue, water or gator? How does that kind of you know? How do you? Um, well, I've only ever done like three hallway holdups episodes, um, and that, that was the guy that usually does it was away on. Uh, uh, he was doing a um, what's it called? He went to another country for school. Anyways, um, but something like that, again, um, I think that it's a personality thing. I don't know what it is, but you put a camera in front of me, and I'm just, like, ready to go. Like, I don't know why, but it's just something that I've always been good at. Um, and it's um, it's a performance thing, right? And I've performed on a lot of different stages of my life and different things. Um, so for that reason, it's, it's being comfortable. Uh, it's being yourself. Um, making sure that you've prepared. Preparation is a very big part of anything, like hallway holdups. Like if you don't know your question, you stop someone and they answer and you don't have follow-up questions, it's going to be like a two-second interview and you're going to look like a dummy, right? Like it's a very big part is preparation and knowing what to do. So have there any been any awkward interviews? Oh, man. Like me. Obviously, you know, I'm sure you've had great interviews yeah. that were unfiltered that Brock couldn't post. But I'm sure you've had those interviews that are just worse as the second goes by. So how do you... Oh, man, I remember there was this one interview I had with... A, I can't remember hockey coach it was, but the men's team. I interviewed their coach. Guy was just not having it. Like, he was, like... I, he was just in a bad mood. Like, he was... Oh, man. And... That was probably the most awkward moment of my life because before every game, like I, I like to be respectful to both coaches, coaching staff. So I, I go to the Brock coach. Usually it's either Marty Williamson for the men's team or Margot uh, Page for the women's team. And I usually do a quick interview, you know, we just talk and stuff. Then I'll go to the opposing team and I'll talk to their coach, you know, ask for pronunciations to their players. Obviously, I want to know like how to pronunciate the names properly because, you know, parents are watching. We don't want to pronunciate some person's name wrong. Um, and then usually do a quick interview, you know, like, yes, I had a, like, like, for example, I think I asked him, like, 
uh, you guys have uh, had a bit of a rough stretch as of late. You know, you, you lost five in a row. Uh, you've been outscored by like 31 to five in those five games. Like I try to be cool about it, but at the same time, you know, like maybe it could be taken the wrong way, but as a media person, like you're trying your best, you know, get some information from them. And I'm like, I was like, so like, what are you guys trying to do? Like anything that you've worked on in practice that you're trying to be better with. And this guy was just not having, he's like, what, what do you mean? Do you think we suck? And I was like, no, no, like, I don't think you suck. Like, no, not at all. And this guy just doing that. And it was just terrible. Their locker room with like, their eight coaching staff. It was me and Remy, and I was just like, "Holy smokes!" Oh, it was a tough one. Have you interviews where it's like you guys are both mutually about conversation, and it feels? Oh man, that always happens when I either interview Sean Camp, the head coach of the Brock, uh, the Guelph men's hockey team. Um, and I, like some of those interviews, I swear I've gone on for like half an hour to 45 minutes and it just won't end. And it's like, oh man, like I love it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I got a job to do. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to go do, go about my business. Like obviously those are great, you know, to connect with an opposing coach. But at the same time, it's like, damn, you know. With you, like that's, that's, that's really interesting. Like, you know, that happens a lot. Have you ever been recognized? Outside? Yes, oh, it's so weird. Like, um, I'm not blocked, right? Because everybody abroad idea you are good at numbers. Do you ever get recognized by people? Oh, like that's the dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the case. Yeah, be. I've been recognized at Twelve Mile. I've been recognized in the halls. I've been, you know, I've had I've had parents come up to me and be like, "Oh my God, you're Thomas Wilkie," and I'm like, uh, "Yep." That we love you. You are hilarious. Like, like stuff like that has happened before. And, um, obviously I really appreciate that. It feels good, but, um, yeah, it's always funny, like being recognized somewhere and it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's me. Don't want to disappoint you. No, no, never anything like that. But people always want to like ask me questions and stuff. What's that? I feel like people yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, that day, I'm gonna be like freaked out. I'm gonna be like, yeah, I have no idea what to say. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, is there what's your favorite team at Brock the College? Oh man. Um, that's a hard one. Man, I've commentated so different sports. I've commentated lacrosse, baseball, soccer, rugby, hockey, basketball, um, volleyball. Um. Man, I don't know if I can say this on air. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. Um, but um, I gotta say the men's and women's hockey teams, though. Um, I'm not gonna say which one I like more because that wouldn't be fair. Um, I think I- I'm gonna say that I, I like them both. Um, I just love commentating both their teams. Both their teams have some very exciting players to watch. I think of Annie Berg. Jensen Murphy on the women's team. They've been amazing to commentate for. Jensen Murphy is one of the better goalies I've ever watched of any level of hockey. She just dominates. Um, then on the men's team, you know, like their team's been so good for the past two years. Um, they obviously had a bit of a rough one in the past playoffs. But, um, you know, the year before this last year, part of me, they set the university record for most wins. Then they um, went on to lose in the uh, I think it was the um, Western Conference Finals. But uh, this year, they had a couple of games against Windsor in the playoffs where they were down, like, 
I think they were down four to one in the third period and came back to win it five, four to win the series. Um, and that was such a good game to commentate. Um, so exciting. Um, so I, I got to give it to the men's and women's hockey team. They, they're, they're awesome. Great people. Um, great sporting, great coaching. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I ever got to tell you this, but last year, second year, you did the you did the Brock yes. women's Laurier game, right? And it was the first game, like a uh, hockey game I ever attended for Brock, whatever. I went because I was on the Laurier yeah. team and the high school together. And I remember walking in, I I looked at the <laughs> commentator, right? Actually, naturally, I had to be yep. the most obnoxious guy there. I had to I oh, of course. Just for shit. Morning, I get a text from the girl that's on the Laurier team. And she's like, yeah, we did film this morning. And there's the film that we have, the first <laughs> clip is you flipping off. You're lying to me. No way. And, <laughs> and I was like, what? Was like, that is amazing. Yo, that is a good story. And she's like, LOL, who did you flip off? I was like, the commentator. He goes, why? I was like, because I know him. Oh, boy. I laughed. A couple of the girls were, like, laughing because, like, they knew, like, she, like, they knew I knew who I was because, uh, high school. No, you didn't. I don't know if I ever got to tell you that, but I was how. Oh, man. I worry women (laughs) in the video. Okay, buddy. And uh, that's that's I, no, I you did. I don't know if I ever told you that, but that's something that it's a great story. I love that. That's hilarious. Country night, and I got really blasted. I do remember that, so it was a good time. Um, T Wilkes, man, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, for sure, yeah. have you on again, man. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for reaching out. Um, 35. Like to, like no, it was great up. to be here. Thanks for having me. I hope we can meet up again sometime soon, you know? No, for sure. Um, stay safe, brother. Always good hearing from you. Uh, if you need anything at all, you know, you know where I'm at. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next time.